Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you long to have a deep friendship, deep trust with your beloved in marriage? You know, whether you're married now or maybe you're single and hope to be married someday, isn't that what you long for? Don't you long to have someone you trust so much you could give your heart to them? You could let them, allow them to see you as you really are because you know they're going to know you for who you are and love you for who you are. That total trust, total security, isn't that what we long for in marriage? Well, when it comes to topics like love and dating and marriage, it's so important to begin with the end in mind. You know, what is the goal? What's the purpose? What does God want for this? And St. John Paul II offers an amazing insight that I'm going to share with you today, a beautiful insight about the very essence of love, and it'll turn your world upside down. It'll move your heart. Your heart will rise. You'll want to just live your relationships better and build this for your marriage. I I, I want to be honest with you, just personally, every time I come to this part of theology of the body, those famous uh, talks and that John Paul II gave about love and sex and marriage, there's a certain part of that teaching that's so beautiful. And I'm always so inspired. It's not often talked about. It's sad. There's so many, so much talk about theology of the body today. Maybe you've heard some talks on TOB or you've, you've read some things on theology of body, but, but what we're going to get into today is something that's not often presented and yet it's so beautiful. It gets to the very heart of theology of the body, the very heart of marriage. And 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 personally, it, it always, it moves me. I mean, on one hand, it, 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 I was inspired. You know, I, I just looking over the, these texts, I was very encouraged and so thankful for the many ways that uh, in my marriage with Beth, you know, I, I've seen us grow over the last 20 years in friendship and trust and patience and forgiveness and healing and so many ways we've grown. Uh, and, and it's, it's been hard many times, but, but it's been so good and I'm so thankful for it. And at the same time, when I hear of JP two's, you know, vision for here's the high standard of love, I, I, I see so many ways I fall short and I want to be a better husband. And, uh, and so when I, I come across these texts, I know I'm challenged to think, how, how can I live this better? How can I love Beth better? How can we build our friendship even deeper? And um, I, I hope you're going to find that here today as I, I share with you one of the, I think, most beautiful gems in theology of the body. It all has to do with what, what is the true measure for love? How do I know I really love this person? This person really loves me. How do I know I am a good husband? I am a good wife. What is the true measure for love? If we can have that before our minds, it'll inspire us, encourage us to to run after authentic love in the right way. So welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sri, Edward S-R-I. And, uh, I want to give a special shout out to any new listeners, particularly those that might be here with me in Phoenix at the Focus Conference. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona with 10,000 other amazing on fire Catholics. And it's so encouraging to meet, especially so many young people, thousands and thousands of young people on fire for their faith. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all of you. Thank you for your witness. Thank you for your zeal. Uh, And please know I'm praying for you. I pray that this conference will be an incredible blessing that'll light the fire 
fire of faith even more in your heart and it'll burn and you'll share your, your faith even more on campus when you, when you go back to your own school. So uh, if you're brand new to the show also, I'll just let you know that we have uh, show notes that are available that you can subscribe to. You can go to my good friends at Ascension Press to get those for free. Uh, Ascension Press is uh, the ones who produce the podcast. They help uh, with the show notes and you can go to ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic. And there you can subscribe and in your inbox, you'll get the show notes each week that provide a outline of the show, give some of the key quotes, you know, maybe some additional information, additional resources. So again, you can go to ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic, ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic to get those. So let's go back to this topic of marriage and what is the true measure for love? If you want to know, do you really love your beloved? Does your beloved really love you? How do you know you're living your marriage well? Listen to what John Paul II says about the true measure for love. It might surprise you. He says this, the greater the feeling of responsibility for the person, the more true love there is. I'm going to read that again. The greater the feeling of responsibility for the person, the more true love there is. You know, I don't think that's what the average person would have said. If I want to know I'm in love, they wouldn't say, oh, I, I have a great sense of responsibility for my beloved. <laughs> if you want to know you're in love, you say, oh, I have these warm feelings for my beloved and they make me feel so good. And there's all this great romance and powerful emotions, or we have a lot of fun together, a lot of pleasure together. You know, we get along well. You know, those are the kinds of things I think most people would say. But John Paul II just turns that all on its head and says, no. Do you have a profound sense of responsibility for the other person to seek what's best for them? You know, I, I think the modern view of love, right, is, is so self-centered. It's all about me. What do you do for me? You make me feel so good. You give me pleasure. You help me, <laughs> you know, and, and if the feelings are there, we're in love. But if you lose the feelings, then we're not in love. That's, that's the modern understanding of love. But John Paul II says, no, real love is outward looking. It's outward looking. It's seeking what's best for the other and what's good for your marriage and good for your children. And there's a great biblical text that JP2 reflects on. And this is what I want to share with you today. I, I want to turn to his reflection in Genesis on the original marriage with Adam and Eve. And it gives us wonderful insight into what God really intends for us to have in marriage. It's going to shed a light, a lot of light on our heart's deepest longings and, and what we want to build toward. Uh, the passage he reflects on is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And it's from the story of Adam and Eve. So God makes Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and the, the two become one flesh. And then it says in Genesis 3.20, and they were naked and not ashamed. Have you ever wondered about that line? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a funny line. They were naked and not ashamed. You know, what does that really mean? You know, many times when Catholics read lines like this, you know, they kind of sound strange, a little bizarre. We're not sure what it means, but we, we tend to just skip over them. You know, do you ever do that? Maybe you've done that before. You hear something in the Bible and you wonder, what's that about? But then you don't spend much time. You just kind of go, oh, well, I guess it's Bible world. Things don't have to make sense in Bible world, so we'll just move on, <laughs> you know. But but just think about it. If you take those same words, you take them outside of Bible world for a moment, you just put in the context of daily life. And let's say, you know, your friend texts you and says, hey, what are you up to? And you say, oh, not much. How about you? And then your friend texts back and says, I'm naked and I'm not ashamed. 
That's like, whoa, like, that's weird. That's bizarre. That, that's too much information. What do you do? Like, don't tell me that. You know, but you put those same words, and then you put them back in Bible world. It's like, oh, th- those words, naked and not ashamed. Oh, that's very holy. Make the sign of the cross. Let's move on. You know, you're like, no, no, no. John Paul II dares to ask, what does that mean? What does it mean to be naked and not ashamed? And this is going to be, my friends, this is going to be a great insight into marriage and what what God wants for us in marriage. So I'm going to unpack this for you. So first of all, what is shame? Shame is when we're afraid of someone else. We're afraid of being vulnerable with someone else. We're afraid of letting the other person see me as I am because I don't know if I can trust them. You know, they might let me down. They might misunderstand me. They might hurt me in some way. So, So I kind of keep my guard up. That's what shame is. And John Paul II points out that God's original plan for marriage, what he really wanted for man and woman to experience in marriage, is to not have that shame. And and, and that's why Adam and Eve are described as being naked and not ashamed. And that physical nakedness, it kind of points to an even deeper, more emotional nakedness, a total willingness to be vulnerable with each other. It describes a total confidence, a total trust in their relationship, a total security in their relationship. Being naked and not ashamed, they're able to bear their souls completely to each other. That's what this is all about. So imagine being in a relationship like that. You know, what I want to do now with all of you, I want to take you all in in, in a time machine. So I want you to join me. We're going to go in a time machine now. We're going to go back to Genesis. We're going to go back to the Garden of Eden. And I want you to imagine being in a marriage like Adam and Eve had. Just imagine that. So this is before the fall, before any sin enters into the world. You know, so there's no sin in their heart. There's no selfishness. There's no greed, no lust, no impatience. You know, it's total self-giving love. They're constantly seeking what's best for the other person. I mean, imagine being in a marriage where your your beloved is so grateful for you, is thoughtful thinking of you, constantly seeking what's best for you. I mean, that kind of environment would create, you know, total intimacy. You know, there's no shame, no fear of being hurt, no fear of being used, no fear of being let down, no fear of being rejected, total security, total trust. JP2 has another expression about this to to realize like, wow, how did they see each other? Well, um, they, 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 they live their marriage. John Paul II says, looking at each other with the vision of the creator. I love that line. I, I want you to ponder what that really means. They saw each other with the vision of the creator. Well, how did how did God look at Adam and Eve? You know, because Adam and Eve are, are being said to to look at each other the way God looks at them, the vision of the Creator. Well, think about the story. Maybe you know the story of Genesis when God creates the heavens and the earth, right? He creates the sun, moon, and stars, and the Bible says, and it was good. <laughs> he creates the birds and the fish, and it was good. He creates the animals on the land, and it was good. But finally, at the climax of creation, he creates man and woman, Adam and Eve. And what does God say? It is very good. <laughs> so uh, that's God's delight in, in humanity, his delight in Adam and Eve, that, that he rejoices. These aren't just mere creatures like rocks or plants or animals. No, these are his sons and daughters. Uh, they, these are his children made in his own image and likeness, you know, and he's just delighting in them. It, it is very good. Now, here's what this means for Adam and Eve in their marriage. And this is why this is so important. So 
I want to make sure you really follow this here. Um, when I when I teach this point, you know, I I always bring out how when Adam looked at Eve, you know, he's looking at her is in in such a profound way, like not just simply like, oh wow, he he sees Eve and says, oh gorgeous babe, <laughs> you know, no, I'm sure she was gorgeous, but he saw in her so much more than her physical beauty, and he saw in her so much more than just a helpmate. You know, like, oh, wow, uh, there's a lot of work to get done in this garden. I'm glad there's a helpmate here to help me get all these projects done. I'm sure she was a great help, but he saw in her so much more than that. And he saw in her more than just, oh, a feminine companion. Oh, this will be nice. I've been so lonely here in the garden. It's good to have some companionship here. You know, I'm sure she was a great companion, but Adam saw in Eve something so much more than just a great companion. He saw that this is a beautiful daughter of God that she's made in the image and likeness of God. She is very good, and yet she's choosing to give her heart, her life to me? Adam just had this profound sense of, wow, that's crazy. Why? She's giving herself to me? You know, to really bring this point out, when I teach this in a classroom, uh, I, I put on the board two stick figures, like one is Adam, one is Eve. And then at, around Eve, I have all these arrows pointing all these different uh, directions. So just picture a bunch of arrows pointing out of Eve. And that represents how Eve has free will. God has given all of us the gift of free will. We could do whatever we want with our lives. And Eve has that gift. She could do all these different things, all these different arrows. You know, She could do whatever she wants with her life. But then I cross out all those arrows and then I draw a new arrow pointing from Eve to Adam. And what that signifies is how Eve chooses to give up doing all those other things so that she can give her heart, her life to Adam, to seek Adam's good, to seek the good of their marriage and the good of their family, the good of their children. And, and so, you know, a, a, Eve could do whatever she wants with life. She didn't have to marry Adam. Now, granted, there were many other choices, but she could have said, I just want to live a solitary life. You know, I just want to take care of the roses here in the garden, or I want to be a lion tamer with the lions. You know, she could chosen to do whatever she wants, you know, but she chose to give up that to serve her beloved. And that's what JP2 says, what love is. Love is this. If freedom is, God gives us free will for the sake of love. Freedom exists for the sake of love. And what that means is we have freedom to do whatever we want with our life, but we choose to give up whatever I want to do with my life to serve this other person and to serve the good of our marriage and the good of any children that might come from our marriage. That's what love is. You know, I can live my life and just do whatever I want all the time, What do what I want, when I want, however I want. But when I live that way, I, I'm not a loving person. I'm, a, I'm really not free even. I'm a slave. <laughs> when I'm always doing what I want, when I want, how I want, as often as I want, I'm, I'm not free. I'm a slave. I'm a slave to my own selfishness, a slave to my own comfort, a slave to my interest in doing what I want all the time. But real love comes when we give up our freedom. I say, I'm not going to do what I want all the time. I'm going to commit my life to serve this other person. And so back when I was single, maybe I could have more time to read theology books or go on vacations on my own and hang out with friends late at night. And maybe I don't hang out as, with friends as late as I, as, I, as I used to and as often as I used to. Maybe I don't read as many theology books as I used to before I was married to Beth and, and, and we had our eight kids. And, and maybe I don't have as just the freedom to spend the money however I want. But So I've given up certain freedoms. I put limits on my freedom to serve Beth and to serve our children. But my life isn't, it doesn't shrink when I do that. It actually grows enormously. 
I don't lose. I actually, I mean, yeah, I, I lose sleep <laughs> in marriage and family life. You lose a lot of sleep, you lose finances, you don't have as much money because you're spending a money to take care of all these people and you, you don't have as much free time. You know, you, 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 there's a lot you lose on the material side of things, but but you gain so much more. I mean, my life has been so enriched because of Beth and Madeline Paul, Teresa, Carl, Luke, Josephine, Caron, Eleanor. I mean, it, it, it just made my life so much better. I can't imagine my life without the love that we have in our family. And, and so Adam is in awe, going back to the Garden of Eden here. He's in awe that Eve, who could do whatever she wants with her life, chooses to give herself to him. She chooses to give her heart completely to him. And Adam is in awe over this gift. He, he has a profound sense of responsibility. I've got to care for this gift of Eve with every word, every interaction, so careful. Now, I'm going to use an analogy here. I really want, I want to make sure you really capture this point, that this is really hitting deeply in your heart. It's so beautiful here, but I'm going to give a little analogy I've used. Um, when when I was a kid growing up, I was really into collecting baseball cards. And I grew up in Chicago and I used to go to this flea market and trade and buy cards. And one of the best deals I ever got was a Nolan Ryan rookie card uh, for $8. Now, I, who's Nolan Ryan? Nolan Ryan is one of the all-time best pitchers in the history of baseball. Uh, and so he's a Hall of Famer, great baseball player. And, and to tell you something about baseball cards, the rookie year card, the first year is always the most expensive card. That's the one that everyone treasures. And I got it for $8. It's worth thousands of dollars today. I still have this baseball card. Now, another thing about baseball cards you need to know is the, the value of the card is based on the condition of the card. So I have a card that's in almost mint condition, meaning it's it doesn't have any wrinkles on it, no scratches on it, the corners aren't bent. You know, my kids collect baseball cards and they're all over the floor and they step on them and they're a complete mess, you know. Uh, but these treasured baseball cards I had growing up, they, I kept them in plastic boxes and, you know, just so that you can keep the mint condition. Because if it gets the slightest crease, the slightest little kind of dent, the slightest little bend on the corner, it, it'll lose thousands of dollars of its value. Now, imagine if you and I were together here and I, and I was showing you this baseball card and I asked you to put out your hands and you put out your hands and I, and I took the Nolan Ryan baseball card and I put it in your hands. How would you feel? You'd probably maybe feel a little nervous thinking, oh, wow, Dr. Shree is giving me his baseball card, the thousands of dollars value, and I got to be careful I'm not going to scratch it, careful I don't drop it, careful I don't cr give any crease to it. And, you know, you're going to be so careful holding that baseball card in the palm of your hands. <laughs> and I like to think of that image that that's how Adam was in his marriage. He was holding in his hands something so much more valuable than a Nolan Ryan rookie card. <laughs> he was holding his wife's heart in his hands, his beloved Eve, who gave her heart to him. And so it's as if Adam, at every interaction, wants to be so careful he doesn't do anything that may hurt this gift. He realizes how valuable this gift of Eve's heart is. And so every word he speaks, so careful to honor, to thank, the tone of voice and every interaction, so, so careful, just not wanting to do anything that might hurt this gift. That's what Adam and Eve had in their marriage. Imagine if, if you had an Adam like that, 
wouldn't you feel free to give your heart to someone that was going to be so careful like that? You know, that, that, that's what Adam and Eve had originally. Total security, total trust, because Adam had a profound sense of responsibility to care for her heart. And so she felt free to give her heart to him. Isn't that what we desire in marriage? You know, the sad part is we live after the fall. There is sin in this world. And so because of that sin, none of us have that in our marriage. Even the best of all marriages, we don't have that total security, but we long for it. What can we do to build up greater trust, greater, greater security, greater love? How can we create that environment in our marriages? You know, what, what we want to do is, is to, to have that, foster that attitude of responsibility more, to really think, how can, can I be thoughtful for my spouse? What does my spouse need today? How can I serve her needs today? Can I be careful with my words? Can I express words of honor, express words of gratitude more often, words of praise? You know, instead of many times we fall into complaining and frustration, you know, uh, in, in our marriages, you know, and that that's what happens all the time. But the more we intentionally try to build that environment where we honor our spouse, we treasure our spouse, we care for our spouse as something so much more valuable than a Nolan Ryan rookie card, then we can create that, that, that space for our beloved to feel they can give their heart ever more to us and we can give our heart ever more to them. This is what God wants for our marriages and pray for it through God's grace. We're never going to have that perfect marriage this side of eternity because of the fall. We all have original sin and we bring all that into our marriages, but we can work to try to tear down those walls of shame, those walls that keep us from that being truly vulnerable, truly giving our hearts as gifts to the other person. Let's really have that profound sense of responsibility to care for our beloved. Isn't that a beautiful insight from St. John Paul II? I hope you're just as inspired and encouraged as I am uh, every time I ponder this from JP2. Let's go live this out in our, in our whether you're single in your dating relationships or whether you're engaged and preparing for marriage or you're married now, try to, to create that sense of responsibility, uh, really a sense of really caring for your beloved's heart. And you'll notice an amazing change and growth in your marriage. Well, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed the show. You can always reach out to me on edwardsri.com. That's my website, edwardsri.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And again, don't forget those show notes. You can get those show notes at ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic. Again, ascensionpress.com slash all things Catholic. If you want to learn more, check out my book, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. It's all on these kinds of themes about love and marriage and dating. Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. Check it out. You can find that on my website as well. God bless.